Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvaroski. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, I'm away, but Joe Hawley, the former NFL player for the Atlanta Falcons and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the founder of The Heart Collective, joins Susan to talk about how we shape our identities around our high-performance careers, the impacts of losing our careers on our on our health and wellness, and how we can connect with ourselves while being in community. If you haven't yet, please hit subscribe to the Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform and drop us a rating and review on Apple and Spotify. The pod has been growing amazingly quickly. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much in advance for dropping us a rating and review. And thank you so much for subscribing. We at Elite High Performance specialize in building high-impact leaders that turn their teams into happy high performers who crush their goals. So if you like to step up your leadership game, head on over to EliteHighPerformance.com for all things leadership development, emotional intelligence, conflict management, psychological safety, and more. That's EliteHighPerformance.com. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. I would totally recommend you check out the Heart Collective at heartcollective.org. And you can check out Joe Hawley and the Heart Collective. Their links are in the podcast notes as well to find them on social media. They do a ton of great work. And I would love to have Joe back on the pod and we'll make that happen so I can chat about all things football because, you know, that's the kind of guy I am. So anyways, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this interview. I took a listen and I thought it was really incredible. So everyone, here's the interview with Joe Hawley. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm your host, flying solo today, Susan Hobson. That's right. I'm flying solo because we had to donate Rob's thought leadership to one of our favorite D1 programs down in Massachusetts. He's taking that stage right now as we speak to serve those athletes from the mental health perspective, furthering the mission that we're on here at the Leadership Launchpad Project to change the way the game is being played forever through this heart-centric, human-centric leadership. And so I can hardly wait to introduce our guest today because he is going to bring some serious heat and fuel to this mission. This is Joe Hawley, friends. He is a retired NFLer. He started his career in Atlanta, finished in Tampa Bay. I know we're going to hear some fun stories from that aspect of his journey. But uh, the real reason he's here and how we actually found each other was that he has actually, since his retirement, gone on a very similar mission himself. He's fallen into entrepreneurship and is on his own heart-centric, human-centric leadership journey today. Joe, thank you so much for being here, buddy. Mm, What a journey it's been. Thanks for having me, Susan. Stoked to drop in with you. 
What a journey it's been. And this is what I love about this interview, folks. There's so much alignment, as you're going to see. We love to interview our former pro athletes. We here at Team Elite are a bench full of them who felt so cold coming out of our, our sport to really get back down into the trenches of our sport from a mindset perspective so we could really affect change at the grassroots level. But that journey over the 15 years of me leading this at Team Elite has since evolved into how we really serve our high achievers professionally, help them turn into high performers, get them out of all that deficit mindset strategy where all the suffering lives and really setting them up so that they can play their biggest impact game. And now on the leadership front, which is what this interview is going to be all about. So this is where I want to start. You mentioned the journey, Joe. Mm. Tell us a little bit of this backstory in terms of your journey. Like, what was it like for you as an athlete? And what did you experience in in regards to your mental health along mm. that journey? Mm. I mean, it's so much easier to to, to talk about from in retrospect, right? I, I think mm. it's like you don't know what you don't know. And as I was going through my career, um, obviously, you know, playing at such a high caliber you know, the pinnacle of, of, of competition, uh, mm -hmm. dealt with a lot of, a lot of, uh, performance, you know, anxiety and feeling like I've always had to prove myself and really stressed out all the time, not just physical pain, but, you know, mental stress and always looking behind me, you know, wondering if someone's going to take my spot and just this, all of the stuff that goes into being a professional athlete. And there's just a lot of challenges and, it was actually halfway through my my NFL career that I was introduced uh, to meditation as a tool. And I had a lot of uh, a lot of resistance to even the word meditation. I grew up in a in, in a religious household, right? Uh, and you know, kind of a Western Christian uh, dogmatic kind of belief structure. And I was told that uh, you know meditation was Eastern mysticism, and it's 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 just not it's not good for you from a spiritual perspective, mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting. Very. So I always had a lot of resistance to it. And I remember uh, we had a new coach come in my fifth year and he brought in these mindset coaches. And so mm -hmm. they, they talked about meditation from a, from a mindset perspective. And right. you know, they said, you know, what if I told you that if you, you know, took five minutes a day just to sit with yourself and, 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 you know, counted your breaths, it was really simple meditation practices that they introduced to us. It would reduce stress, reduce anxiety, increase focus, um, increase presence and increase performance on the field. And it was the first time I, I heard about meditation as a, as a tool to help me in my performance wow. and stress and anxiety. And, you know, when I first sat down to meditate, I think most people can probably relate to this and, uh, you know, set the timer for five minutes and the meditation was simply count, count your breaths to 10. Yep. And it was fascinating how I found myself all of a sudden counting to 17 and I'm like, mm -hmm. wait, come back. And so what they shared with me, which was really powerful is meditation because naturally I think a lot of people can say meditation, like I'm not doing it right. So I don't do it. Right. But what they shared is meditation is not about getting it perfect or staying focused. It's about coming back to the breath. When you notice that you're lost in thought or count up to 17, when you're supposed to top at 10 and go back to one. And they, they used an analogy, like for an athlete, it made a lot of sense. Like when you go work out, if I'm doing a bicep curl, mm -hmm. I'm actually curling a weight. It's actually ripping the muscles. Mm -hmm. And so it's in the curl. So every time I, I lose my focus on the breath and I come back, that's like one rep. Mm -hmm. The more I do that, the stronger I get. And, you know, looking back on that now, I can 
meditation has had a huge impact in my career and my performance, but now in my connection to self as well. And that's just a little story of, of kind of where I started taking more control of my mental health and emotional health that mm-hmm. included reading books and expanding my, my kind of awareness, uh, and, and really going down the self-development path, which kind of started towards the, the latter part of my career. This is where I want to go with you. You know, I, I talk about this all the time when I share how I came to my purpose it was like, I didn't even get exposed to any of the mindset stuff until my freshman year at Princeton. Right. And then by that time you have resources like mindset coaches coming in, right. Or sports psychs or whatever, when the athletes buckling and you got to keep them in the lineup, but why did it take us until we got to pro status to even be exposed to that type of resource? This is something I'm really trying to figure out here in 2023 in the context of sports and neuroscience. Why is that still the case? Mm. I think it's a part of a bigger systemic, you know, paradigm issue that we're moving through of, you know, these, these, you know, even the, the conversation around mental and emotional health. I mean, when, when I'm sure when you were playing and when I first started playing it, it there, there wasn't a lot of even talk around it. And so it's really beautiful how uh-uh. the conversation's shifting, that it's being destigmatized. People are able to speak out of, Hey, I'm struggling. I'm having mental and emotional health issues. But I think even what I've learned since I've been done playing is how, how, laggard it still is from mm-hmm. from really understanding what it means to be human and what it mm. means to, to perform and and there's just so many things that are that are missing in our kind of reductionist uh scientific individualistic paradigm and um you know that's what what i'm really passionate about is is, is talking about the whole human you know the mind mm. body and spirit not just the body and performance but how are mm-hmm. you uh, it's well-rounded and including the emotional body, the spiritual body, the mental body, the physical body, because all of it is connected and, and we can't deny that. Yeah. So where did you first come across that little insight or inspiration to be thinking about the whole human holistically? Was yeah, that in sports or was that post-sports? Probably when I started diving into to, to reading reading books and mm-hmm. probably read a few spiritual texts and um, started meditating, started journaling, and really just started, you know, discovering the, the inner world of myself and uh-huh. understanding that I do have an inner world. There's there's a story and a narrative that I'm constantly playing out in my mind. I read this book called The Power of Habit. Uh-huh. And in that book, it talked about uh, a simple thing like like brushing your teeth. And this uh-huh. is what really stood out to me. I don't really remember a lot from that book, but it was, I remember it was talking about like, brushing your teeth. He's like, I'm sure when you're brushing your teeth, next time you brush your teeth, notice if you're actually brushing your teeth or if you're thinking about the day or thinking about what yeah. you have to do. And so, you know, it took me a couple of days because it's hard to like, to train awareness and to oh, train yeah. presence. And you don't realize that you always lost in your thoughts until you recognize it. And so I had this profound moment where I was, I was brushing my teeth. And then all of a sudden I was like, Holy cow. I'm, I'm I was, I, I noticed that I was lost in my thoughts. And uh-huh. so I started, you know, really, feeling the brussels on my teeth and tasting the 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 toothpaste in my mouth uh-huh. and i had this profound experience of holy cow that was i noticed my thoughts uh-huh. you don't really notice your thoughts until you have an awareness of observing your thoughts that's and that's right. that's everything when you can when you can create that space then you can start actually working with the stories that you're telling yourself and the narratives that you have and that's where the real power of of the mindset you can shift what you believe and and you know, in turn, really change and shift who you actually are. 
Mm-hmm. And then once that shifts, how you relate to the world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what you realize is that the whole world is a projection of your inner world. Like mm-hmm. the stories of what you think the world is, you overlay all the time unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And so your beliefs actually create the reality that you live in. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I truly believe the biggest awakening anyone can have is going from victim consciousness to finally taking responsibility and becoming mm-hmm. the creator of their own reality and not, not mm-hmm. having this life is happening to me, but life is happening for me. And when you can shift into that mindset, yeah. everything changes. I love that. From victim to victor, right? Mm. I feel like that's the whole, we call it TSN up here, ESPN in the States turning point moment is where we actually step into leadership, right? Like that's where self-leadership begins is that self-responsibility. It's so wild. We always throw out the Toshirik quote on self-awareness, like 80% of people consider themselves self-aware and only like 12% of them are. It's kind of like we consider ourselves good drivers, but how many of us actually are, right? Mm. So I feel like one of the biggest moments that I remember really pressing on that self-awareness was coming out of sport. And this is really a place where you and I connected off mic, right? In terms of us questioning again, like, where are the resources here for our athletes when it's time to hang up the skates or the cleats, right? Like, that also is a very, very impactful moment from a mental health perspective. So what I'm just curious, was that transition like for you once you finally yeah. retired? Yeah, it's a huge issue. A lot of, a lot of athletes, uh, and it's like the longer you play, the, the harder you fall. And it's, it's something that, you know, the resources that the NFL provides, it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost laughable, uh, really at, at the resources they have and how much they actually give to, to the transitioning athlete. And, you know, they do a lot of things like, you know, make sure you have a plan B, make sure you prepare mm-hmm. when you're done. You can't play this game forever. The NFL acronym is, is, is often referred to as not for long. And that's just, that's just, you can't actually have a plan B as a high performing, you know, high caliber athlete, mm-hmm. professional athlete, because if you have a plan B, you're not going to be able to show up and perform at the highest level and compete at that level. So you have to be so singularly focused on achieving this one thing. Mm-hmm. And when it's over, holy cow, like, like, who am I? Mm-hmm. And you're, you're confronted that w- with that face on. And, you know, for me, I, I was somebody who you gave football everything I had. And, you know, I had my big uh, aha awakening responsibility moment my third year in the NFL where, you know, I was, I got replaced by a, a top draft pick. I went into a victim mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went into depression. I was, I was drinking a lot, ended up getting mm-hmm. suspended for taking Adderall, got popped for a PED drug test. And I found myself in the front office and they were about to release me. And when they told me they were going to release me, I had this moment because I was, I was playing the victim. I was like, oh, this coach doesn't, doesn't like me or Mm. this strength coach doesn't know what he's doing or I'm better than this player. They're just, I was just waiting for an opportunity. And I just thought the whole world was out to get me and they just didn't, they didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, when I got cut and got released, I was filled with something that I did not expect. And I was just with this profound regret. Because I knew that I was responsible for where I was at and nobody else really cared. And it was just this huge awakening. And from that moment, I promised myself that one day I'm going to be done playing this game, but it's not going to be because I didn't give it everything I had. And so I was able to play another five years after that, ended up earning my starting job back and uh, started like another 30 games. And it was really beautiful. And I got to a point where I finally... It was like, okay, I think this is going to be my last year. I'm, I'm finally done. I was tired of having to prove myself. My, my right. physical body was, was 
deteriorating and and I really was questioning my the, the longevity of you know this this idea of do I sacrifice more of my health for more wealth right. and I was contemplating That's that. That's real. Mm-hmm. So I decided to walk away and so I was somebody that was like super prepared I thought for the transition. I had my yeah. head on straight and and you know on on paper I was I was somebody that should be able to handle it really well. And when I walked away, I was really surprised that, you know, my fiance at the time was really unsupportive. I think a lot of athletes struggle with their relationships, you know, especially at that elite level when there's a lot of money involved, a little bit of mm-hmm. fame. Mm-hmm. And it's not just my identity, but it was her identity of of being an NFL player's wife, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I felt unsupported by her, felt unsupported by my parents who didn't really understand the decision. They're like, you're going to say no to millions of dollars and, and your childhood dream, like you've worked so hard for this. And so they were attached to their son being an NFL player. And so totally. I felt really isolated. I felt alone. And, you know, when I finally walked away, there was a that whole final year, I was, I was excited about, you know, experiencing the freedom from the game. Like, what is life like outside of this thing that I, I've been, you know, focused on for so long? And when I walked away, it was like a few days after my final game, I just found myself on my couch and I was just bawling, just crying, just uncontrollable grief because I felt this void in my heart of something that, you know, I I had been playing my whole life and pursuing and, and the thing that I loved so much and it was no longer there. And I realized the finality of it really hit me hard and didn't really know where to go. And you know, I intuitively knew that I needed to to go on some type of journey. I needed to go on a pilgrimage. I needed to go find myself. If I didn't know who I was, then I wanted to go experience life without this identity to see and 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 get that reflection of of who am I. And that led me on a on a journey of of you know over two years going nomadic. I bought a van. I, I gave away all my possessions to charity, and I traveled the country on this journey of self discovery and healing and. On that path, I, you know, started learning, you know, diving deeper into meditation. I got, I developed a yoga practice to really start connecting with my body, and became really passionate about uh, the transition, and not just the transition of of you know athlete to non athlete, but understanding the psychological developmental process that we all really must go through, and we all go through these transitions in our lives, whether you're you know, an entrepreneur that goes through a big exit or mm-hmm. you're somebody that's in a relationship that is not really working and maybe it's unhealthy and, or maybe you're in an environment where you're, you get a job in a different place and you have to move. And there's just so much challenge in letting go of who yes. we identify with and what we're attached to. And it's really takes a lot of courage to do that and a lot of trust. And what I've found and what I've learned is in those unknown spaces, in that discomfort is where I've felt most alive. And so now I seek out discomfort and I'm constantly learning and growing and, and really helping uh, people on that, on that similar path. Oh my gosh. I love it. I feel like a lot of our leaders listening right now can totally relate. I feel like the last three years and the magnitude of disruption has put a lot of our leaders into a very similar deficit, right? where it's like they're questioning everything they're questioning like what am i doing and is 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 this even right for me and like all of that in and around some of that like who am i like is this truly is this my truth is this an expression of my truth so i would love to hear a little bit more just in terms of that aspect of the journey right so here you come at a sport which is always what we hear athletes struggle with the most is like the crashing down of that identity right because so much like you described joe so much of our identity is based on 
what we're trying to do in the context of sport. So in that journey, you took a van with a dog called Freedom. I feel like I get the name now and I read that <laughs> aspect of your story makes so much sense because that's really what set you on that journey was seeking that freedom. But what were some of the ways that you were able to come home to yourself? So you mentioned yoga, you mentioned meditation. How does all of this help with the identity piece, with the self-concept piece? Mm. Yeah, I mean, first is a lot of uh, patience. So if you are going through something like this, know that it's not going to all, you're not going to find yourself in a day. I think it's understanding it's a journey and it's not a destination and it's a continuous process and you know just continuing to learn about myself and like you said you know 80% of people think they're aware of only 12% i mean that what is awareness like we we we're only conscious of 5% of mm-hmm. our story you know in, in the data that we can actually take in and process and so there's a huge part of us that is unconscious and there's a lot mm-hmm. of our story that shows up and I think one thing that's really helped me is is connecting with my body and learning about the psychosomatic experience and and processing. And there's uh, our our nervous system is such a powerful tool and it's constantly communicating to us. So if you're somebody that feels like, who am I? Am I am, am I? Is this my purpose? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? It, you're beginning to listen to your your body and your nervous system and you, you can feel like I, I just don't feel fully satisfied i don't feel i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing but i know maybe it's not this right and what i would say is continue to trust that we i, I truly believe we all have an internal guidance system that is constantly communicating to us you can call it your soul your higher self mm-hmm. i like to, to to label it as my heart there's mm-hmm. there's an intelligence in our heart there's an intelligence in our gut we actually have three brains, you know, in our mm-hmm. culture and society, we're, we're so identified with our with our brain up here and our intellect, but there's an emotional intelligence and there's a gut feeling and learning to listen to that, to trust that um, is a profound tool. But in order to mm-hmm. do that, you actually have to feel good in your body. And so that's mm-hmm. why the tools like meditation is slowing down and listening yoga, because then I'm actually having an awareness and dropping into my body and then learning about what what my triggers are if i'm if i'm constantly dealing with with road rage like you know i'm i'm, t- I'm telling you it's not the person cutting you off that is the reason you're angry you know there's something deeper inside of you that lives within your unconscious and so having an awareness and being able to tap into your emotional body feel those feelings and and release those feelings through processes like you know learning to to cry when you need to cry and learning to feel when you need to feel you know these are all powerful tools that i've continued to to develop and started asking that internal guidance system, like, you know, what is my purpose? What am I here to do? And and I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm still integrating those past parts of myself. I'm still, still listening. And what I've learned is to trust the unknown and to trust that maybe just the next step is going to be revealed. Maybe if you're being called to, to leave a certain job or a certain situation, and maybe you're like, oh, I need to, to, I feel called to move. And, and I keep getting hit that I should move to Tennessee, you know, and it's like, but I don't know anyone there. It's like, Maybe there's some magic there waiting for you. So can you learn to trust that and go into the unknown? Uh, I think that's that's the biggest tool moving into as we've gone through, like you shared, this this big disruption a few years ago and this big collective paradigm shift. The most important tool I think any of us can develop is, is really nervous system regulation, connecting uh-huh. to the breath, learning about what our body is communicating to us and being able to trust as this collective shift and shakeup happens, uh-huh. where am I going to land and what am I being called to do? 
Yes, my favorite aspect in terms of where I was finally introduced to this whole concept known as self-awareness and EQ, because self-awareness is tied to our emotional intelligence, was when I learned the stat on only 20% of our potential is predicted by our IQ, the other whopping 80% is predicted by our EQ. Mm. And we're seeing this in the disruption, right? Like this is some of the the shift in leadership that we're celebrating the most, right, is the fact that because we had the time to kind of go on a journey within inside the four walls known as the bunker, I think that was the experience for a lot of people in that discomfort, right, is like they were starting to pay attention to some of that emotional feedback or intel that was on the play in regards to am I really on track here? Is this really the point for me? Is this where I'm going to show up and be of max service in this world? And so, Mm. yeah, I do. We're very, very passionate about the emotional intelligence piece. So that obviously was a big aspect of this road trip you took with freedom. And that inspired the next chapter, right? Of your, of your journey into entrepreneurship, because obviously you'd been a leader in the context of sports. I think this is why we see so many ex-athletes who show up in spaces and places and business of leadership. But tell us a little bit about that. So you said it's all about recognizing some of that emotional feedback. What was some of that aspect of your journey and how did that inspire this next leg of the tour as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Wow. I I love being an entrepreneur because it is such a, a beautiful mirror for self-growth and and confronting my own limiting beliefs and my own you know, it, there's a lot of failure involved. There's just a lot of constant learnings, which has been really beautiful. You know, I didn't always want to be an entrepreneur. You know, it was, I loved football so much. I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to continue being involved in the game. And, you know, talking about the the internal guidance system, there was something that shifted around my sixth or seventh year in the league. I played eight years towards the latter part of my career. I I started realizing, okay, I'm feeling called for for to be to be of service, to be to have a, a big impact. And I knew if I was a coach. I would have a profound impact. I'd be a great coach and I wanted to be a coach, but that limited my impact to maybe 50 to a hundred guys on a team each year. And there was something inside me telling me, you know, you're meant for something bigger. You're meant for something greater. And, you know, I realized, you know, made, made pretty good money and, you know, I could invest this in, in building businesses. And I started realizing you know, I reached the 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 pinnacle of of my athletic career, and there there became there's like a ceiling that I reached. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I could have continued to play and maybe got a little bit better percent increments better, but I, I there's there was a ceiling I reached that I couldn't break through, mm-hmm. and there was nothing left really for me to to accomplish there. Mm-hmm. But when I started understanding business and entrepreneurship, there is no ceiling. The only I ceiling know. that you put is the only the the the, the ceiling you put Self on yourself. Imposed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that, that really inspired me. And so towards the you know, last couple of years of my, my career, I started reading all the business books, preparing, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I want to learn about business. I have no idea what I'm doing. And you know, the, the common theme, but that I, that I found in all these business books was, was fail as fast as you can, because you can't learn experience. You, you got to go through it. And that's the mm-hmm. fastest way to learn. So fail as fast as you can, you're going to learn as fast as you can. And so I just promised myself, I was just going to say yes to, to different opportunities. And, you know, when I, when I first left and, and, did the van van life thing. I, I, I tested my, my, you know, got in the entrepreneurial realm. I, I hired a branding agency. I, I started a blog, uh, got an LLC and created an account. And so it was like this really cool little, you know, way to get involved in that. And then there was a couple different investment opportunities that I, I, 
should not have been involved in that cost me a lot of money, but I have no regrets because through those experiences, I learned so much because I had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, about two years into the van life journey, I started asking the question, okay, like what, what am I here to do? What's, what's my purpose? I don't want to travel around my whole life. I feel feel like I'm ready to start, you know, building the thing. And that's when I got the vision to, to support former athletes and yeah. build community. Cause I had, I had found a couple different communities and I had really learned that a lot of my healing happened within community spaces, feeling seen, feeling heard, yeah. feeling, feeling held and, and who I am and my authentic self and being vulnerable in those spaces was so profound. And I knew that there wasn't anything like that for athletes. You know, the, the resources they provide is, is either on the side of, hey, we'll help you get a job resume and, and get some interviews so you can go get a corporate job. Or right. if you're really struggling, hey, we have a mental health professional and you can go get therapy. Mm-hmm. Like It's like those two are the ends of the spectrum. What I needed was a, a safe space to, to grieve and feel the loss of the identity of who I was so that right. I could find myself. And so there's a there's a big gap there. And so I, I felt called to uh, to serve in that way. And it, I knew it was the right path to go down because it, it scared the shit out of me, to be, to be quite frank. And what I realized, I read in a book towards the end of my career is on the other side of fear lies freedom. And this goes oh, back to the emotional EQ piece and yeah. the internal guidance system. If you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, really take some time to, to, to feel into what scares you. Mm. you know? is, is it starting that business? Is it you know, going for that promotion or leading in a different way or going and experiencing something. If there's a, if there's a little like resistance, mm-hmm. like that's what you're supposed to be leaning into. And so I've learned to follow my fear. And I know that if I can follow my fear and work through that fear, that's where real freedom lies. And so I went all in on that, that business and went through a lot, learned a lot and um, ended up building a, a big team and it wasn't really working out, wasn't figuring out how to make money and uh, ended up letting go of the the entire vision about about four months ago and and in the process uh, have have allowed uh, allowed it to be reborn in this really beautiful way and all these lessons I've learned over the last two years, um, being able to integrate those. And, you know, when I first started the journey, I, I probably wouldn't have even called myself an entrepreneur. I didn't even know how to hire somebody. I didn't, I was like, I remember asking my wife, who's an incredible entrepreneur. She's been an entrepreneur for 17 years, built multiple businesses. And, and I was like, like, how do I, like, what do I even pay somebody? Like, what do, what do people make? You know, right. like, I was making $4 million in a year. Like, what yeah, is, yeah. What is uh, like an assistant what's, make? <laughs> yeah. What, what's an average salary, right? For- what's an average salary? I had no idea. And so I just, I just, you know, and that's, a, that's a part of the humility that I think a lot of athletes struggle with. And maybe even leaders is it's okay that you don't know mm-hmm. and being saying, I don't know, and being open and having that beginner's mind has been hugely valuable to me and I've learned so much and and have really, you know, just shot super forward in my ability as an entrepreneur and, and building businesses and, you know, just continuing to, like, I, I don't, I don't have any shame. And like, if I don't know something, I'll just say like, I don't know, what do you mean? Can you explain that? Because yeah. then I'm going to know, and then I'm going to be able to add it to my repertoire and build a stronger foundation and really excited. I mean, I, it took me 16 years to be one of the best in the world at football and I've only been on this entrepreneurial journey for right around three years. And I've just evolved and grown and expanded so much. So I'm excited to see what the next decade leads to as far as, you know, my abilities and putting a lot of this energy into learning and growing and, uh, you know, launching, launching, relaunching this business, which I'm really, really excited about. 
Love it. And I definitely want to hear about that latest chapter, but I want to circle back and rewind the game tape a little bit. There's something you said there, like, I love the whole feedback, not failure. To me, that's another TSN turning point moment, right? Where we go from fixed mindset to growth mindset. That to me says so much in terms of why that opened up so much for you when you're actually able to find that frame. But you talked about the fear and how we should really lean into the fear because that's where the greatest growth ops live. How do we know the difference though, right? Because one of the things I get challenged on a lot as a mindset coach is like, isn't there like a healthy fear when you like literally should run for your life? And like, how do I discern that? You know, like, especially people who are new into associating with their fear and figuring out what that intel even means. What would you say to that? Like in terms of the resistance known as fear, how do we know? How can we discern? Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you lump in fear, like the the survival mechanism, like if there's a, a bear that comes out <laughs> of the woods and you feel scared and you you think you should like, I don't think you're supposed to run because then the bears chase you. But it's probably a bad yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. Th- that survival, if you're if you're feeling that and there, your your life's not actually threatened, then then mm. getting curious, like curiosity of of why am I feeling this? Where does this come from? Mm-hmm. And that takes noticing how it shows up in your body. And then getting curious. And I think journaling practices are really powerful and creating that relationship with your fear. And what I've learned about fear, which has been really, really potent is, is what is, what is fear actually, right? You know, I love the acronym false evidence appearing Mm -hmm. real, but fear, if you really get down to the essence of it, fear is actually love. Fear loves you so much that it's trying to protect you from being hurt. So usually you develop a fear from a past experience, which lives in your unconscious of why I shouldn't do something. And we, right. we all have these core wounds, right? This fear of rejection, this fear of abandonment, this fear of humiliation. Mm-hmm. And these past experiences when we were younger, maybe I got humiliated if I, I actually did. So let's talk from experience. Mm-hmm. I had a moment when I was in fourth grade where I was, I was giving a, a presentation to a class mm-hmm. and I froze and the whole entire class disrupted in laughter. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I was humiliated. Mm-hmm. And throughout my life, I've had this deep fear of public speaking. And getting back to that root of, oh, I, I have this fear of being humiliated. And so mm-hmm. when I feel that, it's, it's very real and visceral in my body. And so, you know, knowing that when I when I got done playing is like, okay, I'm not going to go confront that fear by going and trying to get a TED Talk right away because then I right. might re-traumatize myself. But I'm going to slowly put myself in those uncomfortable situations. It's like exposure therapy. Totally. Um, learning to regulate my nervous system, breathe. And another really great thing with fear is, you know, fear and courage are the same frequencies, but just differences in degree, right? Mm, You you can actually actually have courage if fear didn't exist. Right. Right. If there was no fear, then there would be no opportunity. No need for courage. courage. Yeah, you're right. Precisely. And so you start, you know, connecting with that, you know, and I I, like when I witness courage in people, it's one of my most inspiring things that I can witness in another. It's like, dang, like, thank you for your courage because you felt the fear and you leaned into it. You leaned into that resistance and that takes a ton of courage. And I've done my own work with that. And so I I just, when I see that in others, it's like, yes, you know, and reframing the feeling like, you know, when I'm, when I go do a public speaking event or get on a podcast and I'm feeling nerves Mm -hmm. instead of being, Oh, I'm, I'm scared. This is fear. I say, Oh, this is like exciting. Like I feel alive, you know, and so training that muscle, training that resilience, getting, getting uncomfortable more often and and leaning into that resistance is actually going to help you 
build confidence in your ability to continue to expand in deeper and deeper levels of discomfort. I love that. I remember the first time I learned about that, you know, like walking down the tunnel and you hear the crowd and it's like, and I remember like before all this training, me as a freshman, like shaking in my skates, right? (laughs) Like, oh my God, how am I going to skate the first lap without buckling? And then we had that beautiful introduction to, it's kind of the same feeling, it's just mislabeled, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I started to learn that, okay, this is excitement. Something really exciting is about to happen. Okay, I can roll with this. And then it gave me that charge Mm -hmm. and it totally transmuted my response to that emotion. So that was really powerful. I feel like where I want to go next, because this is the thing that is so inspired to me is like the latest chapter of your leadership journey as an entrepreneur has really evolved into this heart-centric space specifically, right, in leadership. So you and and your latest chapter of entrepreneurship is in something called the Heart Collective. And I know we just talked about the importance of community, which I really want our listeners to go back to episode 101, the very first episode of 2023, where we talked about our predictions for what's in store here in the game of leadership in 23. And it's all about community, which makes a lot of sense coming out of a pandemic as well. You know, we've we've been calling them our locker rooms, trying to get all our leaders into community so they can resonate and experience some of like what, what it's been like trying to navigate all of this disruption. And that's been really powerful, right? So Please, 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 before I let you go, let's say a little something about this latest chapter called the the Heart Collective. Tell us yeah. about this. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been passionate about community uh, since I walked away and, and got on my own healing journey. And this uh, this relaunch and this this new iteration is really focused on, on supporting high-impact leaders, entrepreneurs, and influential visionaries through community. And the, the way we're doing that in 2023 is where we're we're looking for 40 founding members and we're going to build community and a network of these high impact leaders. Cause you know, naturally a lot of people on the top who are leading big visions or building uh, big creations, it's, you know, it's very lonely at the top. And as a leader, it's hard because you have to have it all together. You have to be the one that's holding the space and driving the ship. Mm-hmm. And um, it's hard to feel really held and seen. And so mm-hmm. really passionate building community for them specifically. And the way we do that is through these uh, rites of passage, initiatory experiences. And so I have two permits this year. We're doing uh, whitewater rafting expedition. So it's a four-day expedition in nature. So there's wow. a natural courage, adventure, discomfort, exploring the unknown. And what that does is it creates something called communitas. So communitas is an experience when you go to go to battle with somebody. It, it, it's experienced in the locker room, that locker room feel when mm-hmm. you speak of that, you know, mm-hmm. when you, when you, when you're on a team playing sports, you know, and I haven't experienced this since, since, since in the locker room, it's like a lot of my teammates, I probably wouldn't be friends with them outside of, of, of the locker room. You know, I right? probably, there's not a lot of correlation, but they are my brothers because yeah. I know who they are. I know what they're capable of. I've seen mm. them play with their heart. I've seen them push themselves through the the pain and the discomfort to to show mm-hmm. up for something greater than themselves and there's nothing more profound than that in my experience and it creates these unbreakable bonds mm-hmm. and so we're creating a communitas experience for these 40 high impact leaders in 2023 and we're going to build the foundation for really cool things moving forward into the future but really supporting 
uh, these individuals who are focused on on really serving this new paradigm and building uh, a new world and you know bringing more of these heart-centered leadership styles into their creation. So we're creating this top-down approach to give them the tools and the experience uh, so that they can integrate it into their visions, into their businesses, into their leadership styles. Oh my gosh, so freaking necessary, requisite. I feel like this is the other shift because of the pandemic that we're most celebrating here at the Launchpad, right? It's all about this whole shift from leadership 1.0, you know, the old school command and control power over rather than power within to the new school leadership, which is all about leading from the heart and focusing on the human, right? So when you look out over the horizon of 23, I'm going to ask you that question. Like, what do you see in store for our leaders, you know, in terms of all of this shift that's happening? Because I think one of the things that we are definitely calibrating is that, you know, some of those 1.0 leaders, there's a lot of fear, right? Like this is all they've ever known. This is how they were raised. It was how their mentors trained them to be. Like there's so much resistance to letting go of old faithful over here. So, but clearly that needs to happen. Like one of the things we've really been talking to all of our experts about is like, if you keep hanging on for dear life, you are going to be washed up to shore. Like you're not going to be able to compete in the future of business because the future of business is 2.0. So what Mm. would you say as your final call to our leaders listening in regards to that? Yeah, I would say if you're feeling all of that, like it, it's it's really uh, doing the work on yourself to work through those fears, work through those resistances. Why is that coming up? And if you really feel into uh, this new type of leadership and leading from the heart and being more you know heart centered and and viewing the people that you're leading as as humans and empowering them, you're actually going to get more out of the people that you're leading. The more out of your business, you're going to get more results. Because mm-hmm. people are going to want to show up for you. It's one of the biggest things that, you know, when I was playing uh, in the NFL, I, I had such resistance to the idea of like leading because I felt like in order for me to lead, I had to have it all together. I right. had to have all the answers and I had to tell people if they were doing something wrong, mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, that's not it. Like, we mm-hmm. got to do this and mm-hmm. work harder and like all this stuff, like top down approach, like you said. Mm-hmm. And the simplest way I view leadership now is, is, as a leader, it's it's I'm not above anyone else. It's it's a round table approach. I am somebody that's a cog in this this whole entity mm-hmm. and I have a role, but everybody's mm-hmm. role is important. And if there's one person that's missing, then we're we're not gonna be as efficient as mm-hmm. we are. That's what every single person here. And so what is my role as a leader is to remind people where we're headed. And that takes a really clear vision. Mm-hmm. So can you remind the people that you're leading, what is our vision? Where are we headed? Mm-hmm. What do we want to accomplish? And empowering them to do that is actually going to make your job a whole lot easier. You're not going to have to manage all the people, but empower that's them to, to really show up for themselves. Uh, and that's a, that t- in order to do that, it takes a deep understanding of self where you're projecting your own fears and all that onto others, mm-hmm. being able to, to own that, take responsibility and start really loving people for who they are first. And then they will show up and go to the end of the earth for you. That's really powerful, right? Like that is what Joe and I both found on our journeys through sport as we came out and had to go on the journey within is that it all started with that self responsibility. But what opens up when you actually do that in terms of you really stepping into your power? That's really what freedom's all about. Everybody listening, <laughs> right? Is like the freedom 
to be able to choose from a space and place that knows what is best and right for you. Ain't nothing better. But mm-hmm. uh, what one of the things I, w- I definitely don't want you to leave before I pull out the big guns, Joe, we have a, and I'm so happy you haven't listened to any other episodes, so you don't even know what's coming, but this is our favorite <laughs> question to ask. What do you want your legacy to be? So the legacy of all of this journey that you've been on and all of the journey that's to come, have you thought about that in terms of what it is that you want to leave behind and what you want people to remember or the impact, the mm. ripple effect? Yeah, I mean, I want I want people to remember me as someone who led with the heart and who has a big heart and who loved deeply. And, you know, my my passion and my purpose is to is to create uh sacred, transformational, safe spaces for people to to go on this journey of 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 self-discovery, to feel safe enough to speak out loud the things that they may have shame around, judgment around, fear around. And to be witnessed and held because there's so much healing that takes place in speaking your thoughts and these thought loops of fear that you're stuck in. If you can just even journal about them or share them out loud, they they tend to dissolve instantly in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's the things that we hold on to, like you said, that are really, really holding us back. And mm-hmm. it, it requires a, a special type of of space. And and you know, it's definitely one of my gifts and what I'm really passionate about. And I think you know integrating that and helping uh, facilitate that uh, for more and more people is really, really uh, what I'm being called to do, and I, I want to help support people in being able to do that as leaders for their teams, for their companies, for their businesses, for their visions. Is to hold space, a safe space for the people that are around you, because then they're going to be able to show up and you know create magic. Really, yeah, that's our favorite aspect of the work to talk about is what happens when you actually create a foundation of psychological safety in your locker room. Mm. And that's what you're talking about, eh? When you're talking about hold safe space, make people feel seen, heard, understood, cared for, right? With all that empathy coming from your heart-centric approach, like the highest performing teams on the planet, like the prediction of the highest performing teams of the planet comes from how much of a foundation of psychological safety they have. And that's why this is so powerful for our leaders to get into community and be held, right? In that way, because that just unleashes so much potential in terms of how they can bring that into their locker rooms and serve their people with that ripple effect. Mm, Beautifully said. Joe, this has been so much fun as I knew it would be. We have to have you back for a part two. Absolutely. I know Joe or um, Rob will have all kinds of other questions, probably more related to the NFL aspect of your journey, but that's cool. We might give him a shot. Before I let you go, though, Joe, um, would you like to let people know where to find you, where to look into this whole heart collective thing that you've been riffing on? I know so many of our leaders out there are going to really resonate with that offer. So where can we find you? Yeah, we're we're relaunching the website right now, but you can find us at theheartcollective.com, H-A-R-T, theheartcollective.com. It's under construction, but there's still a tab to join our mailing list and stay in touch as as we roll this this new vision out. You can listen to my podcast that is in the process of getting relaunched as well. I'm I'm definitely in this big rebirth phase, as you can tell. I love my podcast it. is called Life Beyond the Game. I bring on elite athletes to talk about uh, their journeys through that uh, deep journey of self-discovery okay. uh, so that it can really relate to to anybody that's on that path of really, you know, needing the courage to to go into the unknown. 
Oh my gosh, I have so many people to send your way for that too. But I will definitely be starting by going to theheartcollective.com. We'll have all that in the show notes, folks. Um, I definitely want to get on your mailing list because I would love to go white river rafting with y'all. That sounds like the best adventure ever. It's epic. It's so epic. This is the thing. Like most people have a really busted up relationship with living outside the comfort zone. I -hmm. I feel like you and I are totally in alignment in terms of seeing that as the guaranteed growth zone. So let's go, folks. Like if you're not growing, you're dying. This is like the very essence of what it means to be human. It's the nature of ourselves. We're constantly evolving and changing in our bodies. So you better believe our psyche, our spirit, our soul needs that growth too. So I know this this interview is going to serve so many people. Thank you, everybody, for listening and for following along. If you like this episode, which I know you did, please share it with a friend, share it with a colleague, share it with a an athlete, a retired athlete, whomever you feel called to share it with, please help us on this mission to change the way the game of life and business and sport are being played forever through this leadership 2.0, heart-centric, human-centric, new school leadership. Uh, If you are interested in any of the awesome leadership development opportunities we got going on over here in the Team Elite Dream Team Locker Room, everything from psychological safety, like we were talking about today, diversity, equity, inclusion, breaking burnout. Uh, Please visit our website, EliteHighPerformance.com. Joe, this has been a blast. We'll see you for part two, buddy. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Susan. Bye, everyone.